Hey everyone, this is John Gunter, and you have found our Eagle Community Church of Christ podcast. We're so grateful that you would listen in, and we hope you'll share this with someone who may need it. This week, we end our series on the parables of Jesus, and we do so with two parables. Uh, one is about a rich fool, uh, who well, is exactly how it might sound, and the other is Jesus explaining the kingdom as a hidden treasure or a pearl. And uh, I kind of uh, I tie these two together and kind of show you how there's a consistent message here. One that uh, is hard to look at in the mirror sometimes. Uh, one that really, when we first read about the rich fool, we might even think, man, that's a good guy. He's a good business guy. But Jesus has more to say. So again, thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us sometime. Have a great week. That's in the same way. Um, thank you for for going with us on this journey. And isn't it amazing that Jesus saying these things so long ago, all these things still apply to us today. And we can read these, these ancient words and they are, as we sing, ever truth. They still fit into our lives. They still speak to us in so many different ways. And I think that's gonna be the case again today. Now, someone moved the... Uh, uh, the thing over there, the mirror over there. So I, I was planning to show your show you yourselves one more time, but I guess I won't. Uh, you may have seen enough of that. I don't know, uh, but I think it serves as a powerful example of of what we should be doing: doing the hard work, looking intently, not just glancing looks, side looks, but to look and to see what is actually here, both in the Word of God and how that applies to my life. Am I living out? what God has asked me to live out. So this morning we cover two final parables. These aren't the all of the parables. Uh, we covered probably a, a vast majority of them. There's still a lot more. So uh, continue this study past this. Today we, we end with the hidden treasure and the pearl from Matthew 13. And we begin with the rich fool from Luke chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who? I thought I pictured Jesus saying, Man, man. It's like this one, Woman, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, he, he turns and looks at the disciples, looks at the people, and he says, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Maybe we need to read that about three times. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and will build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Now, I want to mention something that seems to be specific to the NIV. I don't know why they, they change up verse 18, but really, if you get any other version, and I, I looked in the Greek, and it's there. I don't know why NIV left it out, but 
Basically, it's not store all my grain, but it's also store all my grain and my goods there. And so it's just to emphasize the point, as Jesus tells this parable, that the man in this parable has more than enough of everything. He's got, um, we're, we're not beating up on people if you've got a storage building this morning. That's not this. Well, man, I've got, down at Eagle Storage, I've got a spot. I, I, I don't know what to do. Now, what, he, what Jesus is saying is this man is wealthy beyond any needs that he might have, okay? Not only does he have enough food, he's got so much stuff that it's out there with all the, the extra grain when I build these extra big barns. But this is a story for us right now, 2022, sitting here in Mont Bell, oh, Dayton. Mont Bellevue, Texas. Dayton Address, is that right, Debbie? Yeah, Dayton Address. On Eagle Drive, it's Mount Bellevue. But this is, a, this is a, a thing for us today. And one thing I want you to notice, though, is that attaining wealth was not the issue. You get that. Attaining wealth, as Jesus tells his parable, getting wealth was not the issue. The issue was the man's attitude towards his wealth. All right, now that I have wealth, what am I going to do with it? I joked uh, last week or the week before about some of you probably played the Powerball when it got up over a billion dollars. Isn't that amazing to think about? Like, what, what are we going to do with this once I get it? Well, and for me, I would own, you know, most of the state of Texas. Now, that's not enough money for that, but, uh, you know, I'd love to buy land. You know, you, when you think about having wealth, you think about all these plans that I'm going to do with this. And you notice in the parable, the guy asked himself, he, he received all this surplus of things. He said, well, what should I do? It's at that point, Jesus says, his attitude was not right. It's not that he got wealthy. It's what do I do with it once, once I have it? Again, why do you want to be wealthy? So if you played the Powerball or you daydream about, man, what would it be like if I had so much money? It used to be it would be, uh, we'd think about a million dollars. Nowadays, in our area of the world, with the cost of living so high, we're going to have to up that a little bit, aren't we? To feel like we're wealthy, right? Well, I'll pay for my house and some more, but man, to be actually wealthy, I need a lot more than that. Again, but we're going back to the question, why do you want to be wealthy? What's the reasoning behind it? Because that kind of tells the story of your attitude and how that relates to God. Again, it wasn't the fact that the guy had things, it's his attitude towards those things that put him in the wrong, that put him opposed to God in this moment. Often, what we do is we want to be wealthy because we have a fear of not having enough. We have a fear that the, the things we want won't, won't, uh, uh, won't come into our lives. We have a fear or we have a mindset that is a scarcity mindset, like there's not going to be enough. Do you see the problem here? Because in that moment, if we're living in this fear, we have this scarcity mindset, and all of a sudden we can get a hold of money, or we think we can, our faith is no longer in God, it's in what this money, I believe, can do for me. You see what the difference there? God's not mad at you if you made money, but again, if, if all your faith goes into this money I have, this account I have, this retirement I have, that's a problem. Because now your attitude is not one of, I'm going to live out my faith. Now it is, I'm going to be secure, not in God,
but in my money and what can I do for me? Notice the man did not give God the credit for the abundance when Jesus tells his parable. But he just notices, hey, there is an abundance. I'm thankful I've got it. Let's build bigger barns. So what is it? Do we live in fear? Are you living in fear or a scarcity mindset? Are you living a life of faith, that in God? I want you to notice as well, the rich man, as we think about this parable, I, I all my life have thought, man, I spend too much money on all kinds of stuff, right? And again, Jesus, as he tells the parable, says this man's got all kinds of stuff, right? Enough that he needs to put that in his new big barns. But the rich man did not have a spending problem. He had a saving problem. Did you catch that? It didn't say the man looked around and had all this stuff and thought, you know what? I'll sell it and I'll buy all this stuff and I'll buy all this hunting land with white-tailed deer here in the Middle East, uh, you know, <laughs> He didn't do that. What did he do? He said, hey, I got all this stuff. Let me build my bigger barns. And the problem with this is that we look at this right now. I want you to think about this. We look at this parable right now and look at that situation and think that is a good businessman. He didn't even build extra barns. He was faithful and took down the barns he had, so he still has all the land to farm, right? So he took down his barns and just expanded, built bigger barns right there in the same spot so he would have enough place to store. And we look at that right now. I guarantee you, if you thought about that in your own life, you would look at this guy and say, man, that's a good kind of agribusiness businessman because we're thinking about how much money can I accumulate we live in this society that is completely built. The American dream is completely built on becoming successful, and successful means what? Living a good life, living a faithful life, is that what the American dream is? No. It's about how do I rise through the ranks, that we live in a country that allows that, which is a beautiful thing, right? That I am able to kind of rise through the ranks and accumulate wealth, but if all you do is accumulate wealth and you store up for yourself, that is where you stand opposed to God. Again, we could spend a lot of time talking about all the ways we spend money, but in this moment, Jesus is pointing at a guy that's got a saving problem. He's a hoarder of money and things. Isn't that interesting? I want you to notice this, the average giving today, there have been a lot of studies done on uh, average Christian giving. So what would you guess? About 10% or so? <laughs> Alice says, no, not a, not a chance. And you're absolutely right. The average giving today for Christians is 2.5%. How many of you lived near, during, or right after the Great Depression or had family members that lived it? And you know all about the Great Depression. Hard times. Three, like 300,000 businesses closed. The average giving during the Great Depression, y'all ready for this? Hold on to your seats. 3.3%. Now, you, live, you might look around at the world and say, man, what's the world coming to? But it is not that. It is not Great Depression time. Yes, interest rates are going up, and man, I'm not moving for anything right now. 
But you don't live in a time like the Great Depression. And then we look at we look at history and people during the Great Depression, when they they watch their family, their friends, their, their businesses close right in front of their eyes. And they give more than we give right now in this country that is flourishing. That the American dream and all it stands for is real and you can make what you want to make. But what are we doing with it? Are we like this ruler who looked around and said, man, I have been given all of this wealth. What am I going to do? Either spend it on myself or I'm going to hoard it. And so, man, all over your toes this morning, it's all over mine. As we look at this situation, we go, yeah. Good businessman would do exactly what he did. A good American would do what he did, right? American dream, he's got it all. Yet he stands opposed to God. So the question is, how do we learn to trust God? How do we learn to change our attitude towards this money that money doesn't provide safety and security like we think it does? Money is fleeting, right? You ever, you ever had stories about people who actually won the lottery? And it was like a curse to them. I've seen people say, Man, I wish I'd have never won a dime of that. Because all of a sudden, I'm, I'm either spending it frivolously or you got your, your third cousin's brother's whatever needs something and they're all calling you. I was looking about the time the, uh, uh, the Powerball was so high and I was like, I wonder what, what, what people do after this. I, I read a site that tells you if you win the Powerball, here's what you do immediately. And one of the things, one of the first things was change your phone number. Change your email address. <laughs> Delete Facebook. Like the first thing you need to do is disassociate from everyone. And so you're thinking, man, this money would be such a blessing. Oh, by the way, I've got to go, go incognito. Nobody needs to know where I am, what time I'm there, anything like that. Where I live, I need to move. And so, okay, there's a problem here. Well, how do I learn to trust God Instead of money, you need to have this attitude of gratitude. Wednesday night, we had a great Bible class, I thought, because we all met at the building. We talked about this idea of just being grateful. That sometimes all we need to do is, the song we used to sing is, count your many blessings, name them what? One by one. And what the spiritual discipline of being grateful or having gratitude says is at the, maybe the end of the day, you want to sit with God for 15 minutes and just name all the ways you have been blessed today. From I sat down and put on warm socks that a lot of people don't have. I'm walking around. I don't have a sinus uh, issue this morning. Logan does. But I can breathe clearly. That's a blessing. I ordered something on Amazon 30 minutes ago, and it's here already. That's a blessing. <laughs> I'm thankful for the blessing of the life of the driver who brought it to my house. I didn't have to go pick it up. I am blessed when I did homeless ministry for the longest time. Every time I stepped into a hot shower, I thought about it because when I watched them come to church, they came out from the bushes, out from the railroad tracks, out from places so thick you couldn't even see in there. And if they took a bath, it was in this cold creek. That just this morning, you have been blessed so much by God. 
And for a lot of us, we're sitting here thinking, God, when am I going to get mine? Man, aren't we? Let's be honest. That we come in here and all we do is we compare ourselves to other people and our perception of them. And so we walk in and we see the family smiling. We think, man, I wish our family had it together like them. And what you don't know is they're probably looking at you thinking the same exact thing. Man, I wish I had it together like them. But we should be grateful for what we have and all the blessings we can count one by one. One thing I told them on, on Wednesday was think about that thing in your life that consumes like all of your, your energy, the thing about you that kind of you give way too much attention to. I mean, you can't turn on uh, social media without well, seeing people with filters on. You know, all of a sudden you, 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 you look on there and all of a sudden you think, my goodness, everyone in the world is better looking than I am. I really did uh, hit every branch on the ugly tree coming out. <laughs> and so we're not happy with ourselves. We're not happy with the way we look or, or, or whatever it is. We don't have enough money. We don't have any of this stuff. Think about those times. I want you to think about the blessing in those. I told them on Wednesday, I said, I'm five foot nine, and I was five foot nine in seventh grade. And I thought, man, six foot, here we come. <laughs> and I stopped. And I hated it, too, because I, I had a friend. His dad's name was Philip. His name was Philip. We called him Little Philip because he was about that high. In junior, senior year, he's, you know, up here. And I'm going, why couldn't that happen to me? But that comparison, again, like we say, is the thief of joy. It takes away our gratitude because of our comparison to someone else. When you have been blessed by God, well, I wish I was six foot. Well, you're not four foot, right? Well, I wish I was prettier. Have you seen some uglier folks? <laughs> Do not point. <laughs> but think about that thing, that, that, that thing that bothers you about you, that, that consumes way too much of your time. I want you to think about how can I be grateful for that? What is the blessing that God has provided me through that that I'm completely ignoring because I'm so consumed in the negative, in the what I don't have? And if you spend a little time with that, that'll change your attitude. Be grateful for the way God has blessed you even to be here today. How many of you rode a horse and buggy? Raise your hand. Nobody in that cold wind this morning didn't ride a horse and buggy. But you got here. Anybody on a moped? May have. I don't know. Nobody? You all rode in cars. Anybody not have a window in your car? Missing a window. You all showed up today in warm cars, sitting in a warm building, and we don't even have pews or stadium seats. We've got cushy seats. It's warm in here. I'd like it to be a little cooler, to be honest with you. But some of you are like, no, don't do that. But we have been blessed by God. And our attitude needs to reflect that. Quit thinking that something else is going to provide you happiness or, or make you feel secure when God has been pouring out his blessings on you. He keeps giving and giving. You keep thinking, man, I don't have mine yet. Don't you stop and think and thank God for all the ways he has blessed you today. 
I made him do it for five minutes on Wednesday. Do, do at least that, and then are your prayers short like mine can be? Now, you hear me pray every week, and you may not think that's the case. But my prayers can be pretty short. And so I think about praying a prayer like this, I'm thinking, you know, 20 seconds, I've probably got it all covered. But no, I want you to think about everything, and all of a sudden you realize, man, I am blessed by God. But this morning, I had a warm house, that I had a warm shower, that I had clothes to put on or, or whatever the blessing is. And I want you to think about that. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in what? All circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. But we walk around thinking about our circumstances, how bad they are, and we can't live into this at all. That's what God tells us to do right there. Give thanks in all circumstances. The second parable is from Matthew 13. It's just uh, 44 through 46, very short. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had and bought it. So Jesus is looking at his disciples, trying to tell them the kingdom of God is this extremely valuable thing that you can all have. There are some things in this life that we just can't understand until we live them. Parenthood is one of those things. You ever notice that? You can write out detailed instructions about having a kid and what that's going to be like, and that kid that comes out for them is going to be a whole different deal, isn't it? Anybody had two kids? Yeah, that second one, you thought you nailed it and had it down on the first one, the second one comes out and you go, what am I doing? What has happened here? Isn't it crazy? There are some things in life we just don't know until we live it. You tell the expecting mother, go ahead and get sleep now, and she rolls her eyes at you, and then you know, she walks into church all dreary because she hadn't had sleep in 48 hours, right? It just happens. Sometimes we have to live into things to understand what it is like to go through them. But Jesus keeps talking about the value of this. If you do not understand the value of something, you will not pursue it. Anybody ever seen a Jackson Pollock painting? Now, if you don't know what a Jackson Pollock, I didn't want to put an image up here. I didn't want to you know, challenge copyright or anything like that. But Jackson Pollock paintings look like we turn the canvas horizontally here, and I'm going to get several paint buckets, and I'm just going to just, you know, blob some stuff here, different colors. And if you found, if you bought a house today and you, you walked in and one of the rooms had a Jackson Pollock on it, if you're like me, you'd probably think, should I rent a dumpster for that or the, can I get that down to the city? One of those Jackson Pollocks sold for $140 million. That would be an awfully expensive trip to the dump. I think I had one of those. In one of the movies I watched, they stole a Jackson Pollock, and to hide it, all they did was cut it out of the frame and drape it over something like it was a tarp, and nobody knew that was a Jackson Pollock. That's how ugly I think they are. But if you, if you don't understand the value, that's what you see, right? 
And Jesus is looking at these people saying, if you only understood the value that is presented to you right here, you would sell all you had and, and pursue that. You would give everything. You would, you would find the pearl. You would do everything you could just to possess it and to have it. But we look at Jesus and him telling us this, and we think, eh. It's like getting a home remodel. You get, you get the guys who've been doing it forever and do fantastic work, and they give you a quote, and you think, man, that's expensive. My cousin Eddie down here, Christmas vacation, not, not that cousin Eddie, but <laughs> cousin Eddie down here can probably do it for cheaper, and I bet he can. But we look at this, and I like anybody like to barter, like like to like to negotiate. I do. I love a good auction. I love a, a good yard sale. A good yard sale is one that's not mainly closed, by the way, if you know that. But I love to go in and say, hey, will you take this? And that's kind of how I think we look at, at, at Jesus, how we look at the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus said, this is so valuable. And we say, would you take 20 for it? Would you take a discount? Jesus said, this thing is so valuable. And by the way, you can't afford it because I've paid the price. All you have to do is say, yes, I will follow you. Now, what that costs is your life. What that costs is your allegiance, not to these other things, not to my own uh, security through wealth or anything like that, but it is saying yes and putting my full faith in Jesus Christ. And we look at that and say, I think I could do better somewhere else. I think this other thing that I really like to do is more valuable than the kingdom of God. Now, I don't think we actually say that. I think if we had a pie chart up here, we would have a, a bigger spot for God. But I think at some point we add so many other pieces to it that, yeah, God's on there, but we're not paying much attention to him. And then all of a sudden, you know what? A pie chart's not good enough. I like a multi-layered cake. Let's put a pie chart on top of a pie chart, and I'll fill that in. And God gets kind of buried underneath on the bottom level. Jesus is saying, if you only knew the value of what I have given you. And here we are sitting, thinking, man, I got to get that stuff done today. Man, I hope this week I'll uh, make a little extra money so I can feel a little better around the holidays. And we sit here and we never count our blessings. We're not actually grateful for all the things that God has blessed us with. You church have a ton of things to be thankful for right now. All the things we have already mentioned, we just sold our building. Amen? <laughs> Praise God. We're asking God to just give us the way. There's ways we want to go, but, and, and we're praying for blessings on that, but we want, to, we want God to open the door that needs to be walked through, right? But what that takes is not a bunch of people who are just loosely associated. It takes a bunch of people that are committed. It takes a bunch of people saying, yes, that I will live in faith, as, as Francisco prayed this morning. Some of that's going to take stuff that's outside of your comfort zone. I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm not going to invite anybody. Well, okay, here we are. And in 10 years, this will be us minus some people who have fallen off, right? We'll be grateful for what we have. We'll be grateful for the blessings God so lavishly just gives to us freely. 
Why don't we commit to him? Because you have to see the value in something. And then you have to attain that. And Jesus has already given you the way. He said, I'm making it as easy as I can because I don't wish that anyone would perish. They would have eternal, everlasting life. And I've done it for you. Just come on and say yes. Commit your life to him. And if you haven't done that this morning, how's the time? Let's begin that walk with him. As, as we talked about earlier, that you're looking at the charter members of the Eagle Community Church of Christ. You're looking at the, the foundation that will be whatever we see in the future. This is us right here. This is me. This is you. What are we going to do with it? Is God going to bless us as we just go out on our own selfish pursuits? Absolutely not. And I pray he doesn't. But I pray what God finds here is a bunch of people with hearts ready to listen, ready to follow, ready to obey and commit to him. And so if you've fallen off from that and need the prayers of the church, we'd love to pray with you. If you want to begin that journey, be baptized into his name today, we'll find a hot tub, we'll find a hot, hot something to put you in. Begin that walk with him. Make that happen. Let's do that as we come and as we stand and sing.